And there is also a link to all that in the show notes. Yes, there is, which you won't read. For the people that look at them, which I hope is all of you. <laughs> Did you just say to hell with all of you? No, which I hope is all of you. Oh, which I hope is all of you. Yes, lovely. Yes. <laughs> well, this, has been, this has been bit right. To hell with all of you. <laughs> I burn out and I'm over this. Bitrate. Using your brain to avoid burnout with Dan Meisner from Pacific Content. Hi, Brendan Hutchins from Podcast Advocate Network. Hey, Mark from Podient. And hello to Dan Meisner of uh, Pacific Content. Hello, hello. Um, Dan, tell what is tell me tell me your secret. What is I mean I mean Pacific Content, um, it's a marvelous work that y- uh, that you guys do. How, what, it's, how, T- tell us, tell us everything. So I can tell you a little bit about Pacific Content, which is my day job. Uh, mm-hmm. We are kind of a weird company in that the only thing we do is make original podcasts with brands. So mm-hmm. we don't have our own editorial slate. We do not make shows under our own name. In fact, most of the shows that we work on don't carry our name in Anyway, we don't sell advertising uh, because we're not selling people advertising against our own shows. We are, in a lot of ways, very much behind the scenes, uh, really being obsessive about podcasts and, in particular, this sort of intersection uh, of podcasting and brand strategy. So we work with a lot of big companies. We like to think they're big, smart companies. So we work with uh, folks like Mozilla. They're the Firefox people. Uh, We work with Charles Schwab. Uh, We work with Dell Technologies. We just launched a show with Facebook. Uh, We've worked with lots of really smart companies over uh, the years. And we're trying to be really, really, really uh, deeply expert in this one weird corner of the podcast industry, which is uh, working with brands. So where is the line in between? And I'm sure this is a question you get a lot. Uh, so if I, I I listen regularly to Hackable, for example, and that is not a podcast that is um, – it does not shove the the McAfee idea down your throat. You know, it, it, even a lot of times they will say, get an antivirus thing because you need one because this thing we've just shown you that is terrifying um, is best mitigated with an antivirus thing. And, you know, McAfee, it's one of those. But it's it, it feels very light touch. And is that something that you guys um, have to sort of reinforce with the clients? Um, or is that something that, you know, you, it's an understanding that you you kind of come to. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you for listening to Hackable. Uh, I think it is a pretty good show. Uh, yeah. And you're absolutely right. It has what I would call an extremely light brand touch. They're not selling products. They're not selling services. The name of the company, McAfee, appears, I think, in most episodes twice, mm-hmm. you know, once at the beginning mm-hmm. and once at the end. And it usually comes in the form of you're listening to Hackable, an original podcast from McAfee. And that's about it. And the show itself is, you know, I, I think we like to call it kind of hacker mythbusters. The idea that mm. we, you know, we see on TV and in movies, all of these dramatized uh, depictions of what it is to actually hack something, right? We think about series like Mr. Robot, right? And the entire show is about 
figuring out whether the stuff that we see on TV and in movies is as hackable as it seems in in fiction, yep. or if that has mm-hmm. truly been dramatized or blown out of proportion. And, you know, in most of the episodes, uh, our, our host, a guy named Jeff, uh, he's sort of the the human guinea pig for this stuff. He gets hacked, right? And then he talks to, you know, largely white hat hackers who uh, explain, you know, just how easily... Uh, this, you know, a lot of consumer products uh, can be hacked, right? So, you know, you're, you're right. This is like very inside McAfee's wheelhouse. Yes, they are a company that provides uh, security solutions, but uh, we preach all the time at Pacific Content that it needs to be an extremely light brand touch. And if you're going to make a show that anybody is going to listen to on a regular basis or in an ongoing continuous way, it cannot be an advertisement. It cannot be an infomercial. It mm-hmm. cannot look or smell or feel like marketing. It needs to be a genuine show that stacks up editorially alongside anything else that anybody could possibly listen to. And, you know, it, it, it sounds kind of ridiculous to, to say it out loud, but when you think about what people could possibly be listening to, you know, given the enormous amount of choice everybody has for what they're going to put into their ears, yeah. the competition for a branded podcast or an original podcast from a brand the competition is not other branded podcasts. The competition is every other extremely high quality thing that somebody could choose to listen to, mm-hmm. right? It's not like people are looking at a menu of 30 or 40 different branded podcasts and saying, oh, this is the branded podcast I'm going to choose, right? So I think you can trick somebody into listening to an infomercial once, Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe right. once and a half times, right. maybe half a time you can trick somebody into listening to an infomercial, but we're pretty firm believers that podcasting is a, a medium that is built on loyalty and habit yeah. and ongoing opt-in sort of permission based relationships with your listeners. And, you know, yes, you can fool somebody into downloading an infomercial once, but they're never, ever going to come back. So the shows that we really, really try and push our clients to make are genuinely good, high quality shows that we think stack up uh, reasonably well compared to anything else that somebody could choose to listen to. And, you know, mm-hmm. we've been really lucky enough to, to work with companies who, you know, have some marketing oomph behind them, but are also committed to this idea of an extremely light brand touch, not talking about themselves. I think we've all heard what a crappy branded podcast can sound like, or, a you know, frankly, just a, a podcast from a company, right? And often that is you know, the company's leadership or the company's CMO talking to their in-house mm-hmm. experts or talking about themselves, talking about their products, talking about their services. And I've listened to a bunch of those and I tend not to go back to them. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to make really, really high quality stuff that not only is sort of designed for people to listen to and enjoy and get value out of, but is also designed to sort of meet the business objectives of the company that we're working with and threading that needle. That is the tricky part, but that is what is so interesting about this kind of work. So that's the day job. Yeah. Um, and then in the in the in the not day job, um, you have uh, grown ups read things they wrote as kids. That is exactly right. You, it's it's a really long name for a show. Grown ups read things they wrote <laughs> as kids, uh, and you know, despite the very long name, uh, we kind of like it because it's exactly 
what it says on the tin. Yeah. We do a live stage show, uh, primarily here in Canada, although we've done some international dates uh, recently, but we do a live stage show in theaters all across the country. We do about 25 live events a year uh, where people get up on stage and they share childhood and teenage writing. Some of it's sad. Some of it's uh, funny. Some of it is heartbreaking. Some of it is deeply awkward. Uh, And then we record all that stuff uh, and we release it as a podcast every two weeks. And we've been doing this. I Mm -hmm. think this is now our sixth season and our seasons correspond to the calendar years. So We've been doing this every two weeks uh, for a very, very long time. Uh, and it's a hobby that my wife and I do uh, just sort of in our spare time, evenings and weekends. And that is why I'm particularly keen to, <laughs> to be talking to you today, because I know we're going to talk a little bit about sort of like the rigor, the rigor of uh, a release schedule and uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the fatigue that can sometimes come along with putting out something uh, on a regular basis. Uh forever and ever and ever without necessarily any plan or intention uh, to, to stop. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a super great point. So like when you started that, when you started working on a, a side project that would take up your evenings and weekends with your partner, how did you go into that decision? And like, how much foresight did you have in the beginning of like, how much time that would actually take? And how long you would be able to do it. I mean, the the short answer is we did not have a plan and we did not foresee doing <laughs> it for nearly this long. I mean, <laughs> yes, uh, well, it's actually good to hear. Well, it's I, we didn't know if it was going to work uh, at the beginning. Sure. And so we were so focused at the very, very beginning on just getting the thing off the ground. Mm-hmm. And it, just as a little bit of background, the podcast has been going for you know, five or six years, give or take. But the live show that the podcast is based on has now been going on for, I think, 11 or 12 years. Whoa. Uh, so, so, and, but we were not doing it with this kind of regularity. We did not have, you know, the requirement to, mm-hmm. to release 26 podcast episodes every single year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went into it and we, quite honestly, we did not have a plan and we did not say we're going to do this for a month and see how it goes. Or we're going to do it for a year and, you know, reassess uh, partway through. We really did not have a plan and, you know, over time, I think what we what we realized is that, of course, if you've got a hobby that is time consuming and sometimes costs you money, sometimes makes you money, uh, but that you were significantly invested in, you're going to sacrifice other things, right? Yep. Time, time at home yep. is a big one of those because we travel with the show so much. Uh, time together is something that we sacrifice, my wife and I, because, you know, there are times on the weekends where I've got headphones on and we're editing and mixing and, you know, uploading and doing all of the sort of stuff that you have to do when you are a one or two person show. So, um, you know, we we didn't uh, we didn't have a plan when we started, but I think uh, you know, reasonably shortly after we got some traction and people started listening to the show, we sort of sat down and said, "We're just going to check in with each other regularly, good every nice. so often, and see like, are we still getting out of this what we want to get out of it? Are we nice. still?" doing this for the right reasons. And, you know, my criteria are pretty simple for, for my hobby show. 
which is like, I want to be doing it uh, so long as it's fun. And so long as I'm learning something and it continues to be really, really fun, right? We get to travel all awesome. across the country and we get to meet all sorts of really interesting people. And we get to, you know, allow people to get up on stage who might not otherwise be all that comfortable getting up on stage. And we get to see them shine and we get to see them share this part of their life that maybe was secret, maybe was private, maybe nobody's ever heard before. Like that's a really powerful thing. So it continues to be really, really fun. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, I have a day job in podcasting and a big part of my day job is around audience development and trying to get people to listen to stuff and figuring out how do you market podcasts in a, in a really effective way. So, uh, you know, the, the second criteria of, am I learning anything, uh, is so important because my hobby ends up feeding into my day job, which, end, which ends up feeding into my hobby again. Right. So I, we almost treat grownups, uh, the grown-ups who thinks they wrote his kids show as sort of a test bed or a sandbox where we can sort of try stuff out. Oh, neat. Yeah. Yeah. So, so am I having fun? Am I still learning? Uh, and like, are we feeling burnt out? Are we feeling a little too tired? You know, we, we have those conversations regularly. And I think if you're podcasting with a partner, if you've got a co-host situation, if you are, you know, working on a production team that is more than one person, or frankly, even if you are just one person setting those regular intervals, just to sort of like stop, take a breath, reassess mm-hmm. and compare how things are going relative to what you wanted to get out of it in the first place. That is our version of healthy. To that end, what have you, put in place when those moments do arrive they uh, arise because they must do yeah you know you've been doing this for six years um yeah there must be times where you, you think oh god you know do i really want to be doing this so what do you do to re-energize yourselves and, and get yourselves sort of <laughs> so i mean i don't know if this resonates with either of you but you know there are times when i'm slogging through tape or an edit's just not working, mm-hmm. or, uh-huh. you know, like I'm sitting at the computer and my home broadband is slow and I'm trying to upload a 300 megabyte wave file. To, <laughs> yep. Right. Like, and I just, and I just want to, it was like, and I, and I stop and I think like, this would be a lot easier if this was not my hobby. Like yeah. I could, you know, I, I don't, nobody's forcing me to do this. I could just stop. Mm-hmm. I could be on the sofa mm-hmm. watching Netflix for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, and this is going to sound corny, but like I have, I have an, I have a folder of email from people who have listened to the show uh, and you know, people write in all all kinds of things. So they, they sometimes send suggestions and sometimes they say, you know, here's how I discovered your show. And I hope to come to a live event one day. And, you know, quite often we get, um, we get email from kids. We get email from teenagers. Nice. Um, and our show, it, it, it is, it is, you know, it is adults reading childhood and teenage writing on stage. And like I said, some of it's funny, some of it's sad, some of it, you know, deals with really, really difficult parts of growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. So like we hear pretty regularly, even though we never intended to make the show for kids and it's intended for an adult audience, we hear from kids. So like, I've just got a folder full of like nice email that people have sent me saying like Mm. what the show means to them or super cool. uh, You know how it has helped them in some way. And you know, I, I, I'd be lying if I said uh, on a, on a bad day, I didn't open up that email folder and just sort of like remind yep. myself that, you know, the, 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 that we're having some impact beyond ourselves. Um, and I think that can be really a tough thing, especially for, 
solo podcasters, hobby podcasters, passion podcasters, people who are not necessarily doing it as their jobs or as their main thing, but they're doing it simply because they love the medium and they want to put something of themselves out into the world. I think it can be really, really hard when you spend so much time sweating the details over this thing that you're making and you send it out into the world. It's, you know, you, you can like, I guess, watch the downloads tick up or you can, you know, you can like measure your success in lots of different ways. But sometimes it's easy to forget that like behind all of those downloads or those subs or the followers on Spotify or whatever you want to measure, like there are actual human beings who are putting the stuff that you make into their ears. And I think for me, one of the, one of the things that where I find, you know, the extra little bit of energy to like keep going through an otherwise difficult edit uh, it's just it's 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 good to be reminded that um, ideally you're making something that people get value out of and uh, and that it's appreciated. So that that is what I do. I don't know. What about you guys? Yeah, for sure. Well, th- what you just said harkens back to what Matthew Passy said on our previous episode, where uh, the prevention of burnout in in the production of a show uh, really depends a lot on engagement if you're producing something and it's not you know maybe it's getting downloads maybe it's not but if you don't have people that are engaging with you on on social media or email or or if you were doing a live show or something like that then it can feel like you're just doing it for nothing and it can be really um yeah, I don't know the word I'm looking for. I'm not wasteful, it's just, but it's just a like slog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I I I think about that a lot because I, you know, that the show I'm well, one of the shows I'm, I'm most proud of is one I still do, and uh, the you know the latest episode got 222 uh, downloads, um, and that's uh, that's that's of of a few days. And I was thinking about this on Thursday. Um, night when i finished the edit for the or wednesday night when i finished the edit for the latest episode how i still and i I don't know if this really contributes to the topic this might just be me saying a thing and i don't know humble bragging maybe i don't know um but i i i still after all of this time um getting frustrated at my lack of being able to find and you know engage with our audience or, or or find that engaging audience I I still don't see that translating into the edit, um, and that's kind of surprises me. Mm, mm, uh, and mm-hmm. it's something that never occurred to me before. Like I, there are you know I, I was shattered on on Wednesday night. I was very very tired, um, and I, in so many walks of life, I think it's very easy with jobs and things to just half half ass it and just okay yeah that's that's good enough. But I always find myself going that extra bit. You know, saying, "Oh, you know what? That music would be just right for this segment here, or uh, that clip of a thing needs to go right here." And I will sit and I will edit um, uh, someone's laugh over Skype to make sure that it 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 came over the right bit when someone said something funny yeah. and it's not been mangled by the delay. And like, and I will spend time finessing these. And that that was a bit of a sharp intake of breath there because the uh, limiter cut it. So let's fade that in. And I, I'm still surprised that of all the time, like. Everything else frustrates me, and I sit down at the edit, and and I think like like you were saying, Dan, like those days when it's a difficult edit, you sit down and you sort of go, oh god, I've got to do this, and then you you emerge two or three hours later, and and there's this thing <laughs> you've made, um, and it you know it's it's 
it is a slog and it is hard work. But at the end of the day, I think you do get to look back and go, you know what? I know it, no one listened, but I really, I made a thing. <laughs> I made an actual thing and I, I, mm-hmm. I sweated over it and I'm pleased and proud of what I've done. And that's, as, uh, you know, as corny as that's going to sound like that is, that's when you're doing your best work is when you know, For sure. yeah, you know what? I'm, I am pleased with that. I did, I did a good. You know, what you just said resonated so strongly with me. And, you know, I think a lot about, in particular, because I, I have a hobby podcast, I think about people who do shows, not primarily as a business endeavor, but for themselves, for lots of different reasons. And, you know, I think it's it's worth having goals and I'm not talking about download metric goals or audience mm-hmm. size goals, but like mm-hmm. even f- just fuzzy, what do I want to get out of this type goals? Yeah. And like actually taking note of those and then checking yourself against those. Right. And I think about like, I don't know, I, I, um, ever since I was a teenager, I have owned guitars and played guitars. And I have known people who, pick up a guitar and the entire reason they have a guitar is for themselves. They want to learn, mm-hmm. they want to practice, they want to figure out the songs that they like to listen to and play them for nobody but themselves. And that that is, yeah. th- there is nothing wrong with that. No. And I have met people who have picked up a guitar because they want to be on stage and they want people cheering their name. And I have re- met people who pick up a guitar because that is the tool that they use to write. And it's a form of expression mm. and it's a way of getting what's inside out. And hey, maybe they write a song and it becomes a hit or maybe they write a song and they put it on Bandcamp or SoundCloud or wherever else and a handful of friends and family listen to it and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I think in in a lot of, and, and, it, and of course there are people who become, you know, very competent musicians and play for a living and then there are superstars, right? And so there's this like whole spectrum of people who do music for lots of different reasons and none of those reasons are wrong. Mm. Right. But I think what can be challenging is if you get into it for one reason and then lose sight of why you originally got into it or what you were originally hoping to get out of it. Yeah. Cause it can be really frustrating to be say in a band with somebody where a few of you are there cause you want to drink beer and <laughs> rock out in somebody's garage and one person is intent on stardom, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like that is not a good fit. So I think, you know, particularly for, you know, uh, people who do this for for their own edification because they want to make a thing regardless of when, whether anybody hears it, whether they just want to scratch their own itch. They've got a question that they're trying to answer and a podcast is a way to help them figure it out. Like whatever the reason is, I don't think there are, there are, you know, right or wrong reasons to do a show, but I think it is really good to have at least in your own head, a sense of why you're doing it, what you're hoping to get out of it. And then just to like, periodically ask yourself am i am i getting out of this what what i'd hoped i i'm at the risk of making this about me again i really like that point because i i I, as you were talking i was thinking about the sort of purity of motivation if you like and uh a couple of years ago i put out a three song ep of um songs that i'd written recently and one song that i'd written like 14 years ago and um 
I spent a few Tuesday uh, evenings when my neighbour was away so I could shout into the microphone and sing uh, at the top of my voice, uh, recording it in my in my little bedroom office here and put it out and it's, you know, it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes and all that stuff. And I looked every now and again uh, to, <laughs> you know, to satisfy my curiosity at the stats page. I haven't looked in about 18 months. I don't mm-hmm. care. Um, mm-hmm. I go back to it every now and again and go, yep, still pleased with that or you know, or, or, or like still pleased with it but I definitely know that bit there needed fixing or oh should I have done a bit more auto tune there or your voice gave out whatever um <laughs> but it there, there was a purity of motivation there I think in the and, and the phrase you used to, to you know it was scratching my itch it was it was something I felt I wanted to do and it was purely for yes I wanted to put it out there because if it was purely just for me then I wouldn't have needed to have put it out on the internet but I did and I think I, I find that really interesting in 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 that uh, this is something I've done. You know, I've made podcasts for ten years, but the motivation has always been very different from you know that little EP that I put out or the you know the the kids book that I'm writing now for fun. Like th- the motivations there are entirely different, and I think the that that may speak to some people about the um, the the things that can lead to burnout that they feel when they when they see the the download numbers or the lack of engagement or whatever it's it is then a, a matter of sort of readdressing that and going okay well really are you doing this for the right reasons because if you want an audience that's fine go but you got to go chase it um and, yeah. and you know and and that's fine like if that's what you want to do then then that's great but also maybe examine are you doing this to enrich your life, to give you something to do on a Saturday uh, afternoon? Uh, is it something that you can see your friends with? You know, is it, um, you know, the, all, all of these different motivations and they're, and they're all valid rather than just, um, can we, uh, can we be the next superstar? You know, you've released that EP knowing full well that Rihanna exists <laughs> and the Beatles exist <laughs> And many other people are probably going to be wildly more successful uh, yep. financially uh, in terms of notoriety. Talent. You know, yep. There are going to be uh, <laughs> bigger stars in the world. But I think, you know, podcasting is still this. It, it still feels small enough that yes. I think people's expectations can sometimes be a little bit out of whack where, you know, if, if you, you know, you read the trades and, you know, you, you have some sense of other people's numbers. I think it's easy to feel like, well, I put out my thing and I didn't get, you know, the same kind of numbers that Reply All does. So I'm a failure, which seems, <laughs> you know, c- completely um, just out of line with how we understand, uh, uh, you know, other media, right? Like yeah, for sure, you can be in a, you can be in a bar band knowing full well that you're not going to be, you know, Jay-Z. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's uh, completely appropriate that you picked uh, Rihanna and the Beatles because I think that Mark's music is just like right down the center of those two. <laughs> oh, genres, man, yeah, yeah. Sure. You, you cut me down the middle and, and I bleed uh, umbrellas and um, fixing a hole where the rain came through. There you go. I made a link. There you go. <laughs> I think uh, I think that the, that point of checking in on the original reason that you got into the thing that you're doing, whether it's podcasting or otherwise, is super important. But uh, the, I, I think, and you know, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that you also don't mean to say that your reason for doing it can't change. 
um, but to be mm. mindful and aware of whatever your current and 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 um, more more appropriate or more um, modern version of your need to do something is uh, is alive and well. I would hope that what you want to get out of it changes. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, right. Like as with any endeavor, you don't know everything going in and you would hope that as you go deeper into whatever your passion is or whatever you're trying to do, that you discover new things that you like about it. I, I, I mean, that, that seems ideal to me. Yeah, I would not want to continue, you know, I, I, and I, I don't know. I think about this uh, a, a little bit, right? Cause I, I mentioned earlier, my, you know, I want to have fun and I want to keep learning stuff. Like that is what I'm hoping to get out of uh, doing a hobby podcast. And, you know, in, in some ways, I don't know, I use this analogy a lot um, in my day job, but I think about it a lot, right? Like, Grown Ups Who Thinks They Wrote As Kids, my hobby podcast, is, you know, if you listen to an episode that came out last week versus an episode that came out five years ago, you know, it's going to sound a little bit different because we got nicer microphones and we licensed some better music, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it sounds better now than it has mm-hmm. in the past, but it is effectively mm-hmm. the same. Like we've been making kind of the same show for a very long time. And... You know, I've gotten better as an editor and I think I've gotten better as a mixer and I think, you know, my tastes have changed over that time. And, you know, the saving grace of the show is that it's new readers every single time. And there's this bottomless pit of amazing, wonderful, super weird childhood and teenage writing. So it's not the same every single episode. It's very different. But the format of it remains largely the same. And, you know, you're talking about talking about burnout. Uh, talking about sort of how do you avoid those things. I think format can be such a, a useful thing to establish and tweak over time. But, it, you yeah. know, you can, you can, having a really tight format can be such a win and can help you get through maybe the more difficult parts, right? So it's like format and process. So I think about, and and I'm going to get back to this in a a second, but I I think about the difference between uh, the television shows uh, Jeopardy and Game of Thrones, right? (laughs) And if you're making a season of Jeopardy, (laughs) like, you know, that Jeopardy has changed over the years, right? Sure. Yeah. You know, Alex Trebek shaved his mustache one season and <laughs> like they introduced, you know, video daily double and, you know, that kind of stuff. Like they have changed the game a little bit <laughs> and they introduced the, you know, the teen tournament or the whatever they do. Like I, I'm not a regular Jeopardy watcher, but like that is a, that is a prime yep. example of a, of, yeah, they added rock and roll Jeopardy, right? But it's like Jeopardy is Jeopardy is Jeopardy and people watch Jeopardy in, uh, you know, I don't know if you know people who watch sort of like daytime uh, TV game shows, but like people watch that stuff religiously, right? Judge Judy's mm-hmm. the same thing. Like Judge Judy is the mm-hmm. same format, right? The courtroom mm-hmm. uh, soap opera stuff, right? Like, for, mm-hmm. you know, if you've ever watched uh, Storage Wars or, you know, uh, American Pickers or, you know, like <laughs> any of these shows, like f- they use formats because they work. And they make your production mm-hmm. right. process a little more streamlined, a little more predictable. You can plan for it. You can put together a plan and then you can execute it on, on it, right? So, like, producing a season's worth of Jeopardy 
it looks very different than producing a season of Game of Thrones, where with Game of Thrones, you are making everything up, you know, in some cases in the later seasons when there are no books to back it up, you're building it from scratch. You know, is there a formula to a Game of Thrones episode? Mm. Not in the same way that there is a formula to Jeopardy. And people watch these shows in very different ways, right? Game of Thrones is an event. It is a miniseries. It is, you know, it's the serial, if you want, you know, where right. we're going to, we're, we're going to like make a huge tentpole thing out of this. It's, you know, reasonably evergreen. I can watch uh, Game of Thrones from beginning to end, uh, you know, well after it's out of market. Um, but that plays a very different role in my life than I want a very comfortable thing to watch uh, in the afternoon. That's trivia hosted by Alex Trebek. And it's going to be there every single day <laughs> at exactly the same time in a very reliable mm-hmm. way. Right? Like, so this, uh, I think about this spectrum of like jeopardy on one end and game of Thrones on the other, and like figuring out where you are on that spectrum and where your show is on that spectrum, I think can help you set more realistic expectations about how much work you're going to have to do, how much time you're going to have to spend. And I don't think there's anything wrong with either end or any point of that spectrum, but they are vastly different from a production standpoint, a workload standpoint. And I think, and I've never worked on game of Thrones, but I've worked on projects (laughs) that feel like I am working on game of Thrones. I think, you know, being able to fall back or lean a little more heavily on a more structured, more kind of formatted show can be a really gift, a big gift, especially if what you are doing is designed to be there, uh, you know, in a regular way in, in your listeners ears. You know, I I was talking the other day with um, a graphic designer, uh, an art director and uh, we were talking about actually sort of designing episodic artwork for podcasts. And he told me that one of the ways he thinks about this is on any project, and it could be a series, uh, a podcast series, it could be sort of an ad campaign, it could be whatever he's working on. He tries to establish a list of things that are changeable and a list of things that are not changeable. And the things that are not changeable are what gives you the uh, sort of like the recognizability of something. It's the reason why episodes of Dubai Friday all they are recognizable. Like if it was on in the background, you would you would be able to recognize them. So like (laughs) what doesn't change? Well, there's a core of, you know, three characters on that show. And sometimes one of them's not there, but there are recognizable characters and more than one of them will be there for every single episode, like the jazz break. And there's the sort of pacing of the editing and the sort of the, the, the way that those episodes are structured. And I think, you know, if an episode of Dubai Friday was on in the background, I would be able to pick it out as an episode of Dubai Friday, because it's got these sort of unchangeable elements that give it recognizability. And that I think is true for visual media, but I think it's also true for, for sonic media, for audio media. So like, what are the things that are going to stay the same episode to episode? Is it always going to be the same two co-hosts? Is it always going to be, you know, a certain length of time? Is it always going to be released on a particular day? Is there a theme song, Mm -hmm. right? Like all of these, what are the things that Mm -hmm. are going to stay the same and keep those the same? 
or, you know, gradually change them over time, right? Every episode of Jeopardy has a daily double in it, right? Uh, and then what are the things that are going to change, right? And, you know, this this guy that I was talking to, his advice was like, have some fun with the stuff that changes. But you, mm. you want your episodes to have a family resemblance. And you want to, you know have it really, really clear in your mind. Like what is What makes this show, this show zero in on that dial it in and then (laughs) keep it the same, evolve it slowly over time, but keep those core elements the same and then have a ton of fun with the things that you've agreed can be different every episode. Growing up, who thinks they wrote as kids hobby podcast live event that we then turn into a podcast and our live events run anywhere from 90 minutes to two hours. The podcast itself is roughly half an hour. So not everything that is read on stage ends up in the podcast. We use, you know, roughly a third or less Mm. of what we record and the criteria for the podcast, you know, which stories we use and which uh, readers we choose to feature We've got to set a criteria for that, right? We hear a lot of different types of writing and an entire episode that is just teenage girl diary entries is not interesting (laughs) or it's not varied enough for my taste. So we want to hear Mm -hmm. a diary entry. We want to hear a piece of poetry. We want to hear a short story. We want to hear a letter written home from camp. We want sort of formal variety in the episode. We also want a range of different types of voices in the show. We want to hear older voices. We want to hear younger voices. We want to hear voices from different parts of our country, like all that kind of stuff. So one of the things that used to, I, I used to dread sitting down to try and cut, you know, a 90 minute or two hour recording into a tight 25 or 30 minutes. I used to hate sitting down to do that because I would have to then re-listen to the entire thing and then make really difficult decisions mm-hmm. about who's in and who's out based on these mm-hmm. criteria that we've set up. And we just tweaked our process a tiny little bit and we hate doing it, but it, it it's again, a gift from past us to current us. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we do a live show and it's exhausting, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're in a theater. There are hundreds of people there. We've like, we have just put on a big show and we are tired. And the last thing we want to do is make the short list right. of who's probably going to be in the episode and which readings are the right, uh, you know, mix of readings to include in an episode. But after a live show, having heard from 15 or 20 different people, you know, we've got a pretty good idea of like what worked in the room and what has the tonal variety. We want something funny. We want something sad. We want something a little bittersweet, right? Like we've got a good sense. And in fact, it's freshest in our memory right after we've done a show. So what do we do? We sit, we like go out for a beer somewhere near the venue and we pull out our notes and we say, okay, let's do the list. And then we, we narrow it down and it makes total sense. And it's like, we are in the best position and the worst position to do it. Cause we are dog tired, sure. but mm-hmm. it's fresh in our minds. And so now we started doing this. I'm going to say maybe two years ago, it took us longer than it should have to realize that we should do this, <laughs> but we started doing this about two years ago. And now, you know, I, I can take a recording that we made six months ago that is kind of distant in my memory. And I might not remember all Mm -hmm. the nuance and the detail of all the readings, but I've got a starting place. 
mm-hmm. right? And I think this applies uh, t- to not just if you're doing a, <laughs> a weird diary reading show in theaters in Canada. I think this applies to like anytime you interview anybody. I am such a big advocate for making notes as you interview somebody recording timestamps, you know, whatever system that you've got, you know, some people have fancy recorders where they can hit a button and it leaves a marker, like whatever your system is like the best, you know, you know, when the tape is really singing right in the moment. moment, Yep. And you know, the, the best time to record that is in the moment. The second best time to record that is just after you've done the interview, you know, what really stood out to you? What stuck in your brain? What did the person say that really resonated with you? You know, write down those four or five things and do it right then. Because mm-hmm. the, the worst possible time to try and remember the smart or clever or resonant things that somebody said is six months after you interviewed them and you're <laughs> sitting down to try and yeah, cut a sure. podcast interview. So like the best gift you can leave future you who is going to edit something is some pretty decent notes and you're in the best position to make those notes closer to the actual moment. Absolutely. And don't assume that you're going to remember because you won't. You always think you will. Yeah. And it applies to it applies to podcasts. It applies to interviews. It applies to like coding. Anybody who has ever had to go fix somebody else's code or try and figure out what they were thinking when they wrote this code two years ago. I mean, the idea of well-documented code or, you know, self-documenting code, uh, says the Mm -hmm. guy who writes a lot of Python. You know, this the fundamental point sticks no matter whether you're talking about audio or lots of other things. I've been on and off again about this podcast I want to make because I'm never uh, I'm never done trying to overwhelm myself. Like that's just a pattern in my life. Um, and I, ha- I have I, uh, I have this political podcast that I've been wanting to make. I've got two buddies on board. Um, I made uh, I made a Twitter account for it. I mean, you know, made the album artwork and, and or album artwork, uh, podcast artwork, and and everything. And I I, I promoted it a little bit. Mm. Uh, and it was just, it's, it, it, but it's also been so overwhelming the idea of making this podcast because I want it to be, uh, I want it to be logical and, and I want it to be truthful and I want it to be accurate and, and, and insightful. I want it to have resources. I, I want to do what I want every other political and, and newsworthy podcast to do, which is to have sources for everything that you're talking about, uh, so that people can look up and verify that the things that we're talking about are actually true, which should be happening on everything that's going on right now uh which you know rant over um but you know the idea of 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 doing that is also at the same time paralyzing because it's so much work to be able to to do that i need to have uh not only my two co-hosts that we're going to be you know discussing things left right and center but we're also i'm also going to have a a producer listening at the same time so that somebody else can be doing that in the moment (laughs) marker of uh important thing not important thing finding the resources so we can verify stuff in the moment and I'm, i'm almost to the point where i'm scrapping the whole thing that i've been working on for a year and a half just because i can't i can't find the time for it i can't find the energy i can't fit it into my schedule uh to make it so that it's as good as I want it to be. Cause I don't want to put out something that I'm not proud of. Is this, is this a thing that you imagine running in perpetuity with no defined end date? Uh, like yeah. I'm trying to think, is there a way to, is there a way to constrain it? Right. 
like what what does you know we're going to take a a month and do this look like what does we're going to commit to it for six months right look like what does let's just get the pilot done let's do three pilots uh with no expectation of ever letting them see the light of day like is like are you is part of why it feels so big because you're covering an area that is so fast moving and you know, you could in theory do sure. in perpetuity. Uh, yes and no. I mean, the, and those are all amazing and fantastic questions. I'm going to repeat that. So luckily this is really recorded. <laughs> um, and y- y- yes and no, because like, sure. Yeah. The, the, the daily news is just on, you know, it's a fire hose and, and nobody can keep up with it all. And we don't plan to, it's not going to be like a, a, a daily or even weekly, kind of recap of the news and we all talk about it from our different perspectives. It's more the idea of tackling a bigger topic question, like um, the things that really divide uh, the different segments of, of politics and, you know, talking about, um, you know, what makes a good person uh, who should really be on a, a court or Supreme court Um and, 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 and a little bit larger item questions like that. Um, but it's still, it's, it's still pretty overwhelming not having a specific, uh, time structure like that, like that, that you were asking about and not having, you know, and, and, and doing one or multiple pilots is something that I've definitely contemplated and would probably do, uh, if I ever, <laughs> convince myself to do it i i worked for close to 10 years here in canada at the cbc canadian public broadcasting and i did a bunch of stuff through a part of the company uh called program development where all they did was make new ideas for shows and like try and find projects that they wanted to, you know, if they had, uh, you know, a, a personality or, or a talent, I think was the word they used, right? If, if there's like, if, if there's talent and they want to find a project for them, like this is where program development uh, really shined because, you know, it was where you could go in a relatively low stakes environment and like go make a pilot with some resources. And nice. the whole idea was like, how do we test this idea? We think on paper it's going to work. Right. Or we have a sense that it might work. We know that this is a show that does not currently exist and maybe fills a need that is being underserved, but we don't know. And, you know, the interesting thing about program development, and, and in fact, growing up Street Things They Wrote as Kids, my hobby podcast was born of uh, the program development process, right? Where we got a nice. little bit of time and a little bit of money to like actually pilot the thing. You know, part of, part of the value of, you know, doing a pilot is like taking this thing that's in your head or is maybe roughly sketched yeah. out on paper and making something. And is it ever going to be the platonic ideal that you have in your head? No, but are you going to learn a heck of a lot by actually doing it? Are you going to be like, you know, with grownups, we, we didn't know if we could travel across the country and book theaters and right. fill them up and get people to sign up, but we tried it. And then <laughs> lo and behold, it worked, but it could have just as easily not worked all that well. Or the people that worked on it with me, 
we might not have gotten along or we might not have traveled well together or like there are so many ways that it could have failed. Right. And I worked on plenty of projects that never saw the light of day or ended up being repackaged as sort of a holiday special one-off and they (laughs) never went to series. Right. Like, and the TV world and the movie world is full of this, right? Like take your idea and figure out what is a really lightweight way to answer the questions that I have about the feasibility of it. Uh, whether that's a production question, whether that's a sonic question, whether that's a personality question, like, I think, you know, I, I, this is a very programmery way to, to do it, but like rapid prototyping or, uh, you know, minimum viable product to sound like a startup kind of guy. No, but it's like, it's, 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 it's taking that same idea, like not expecting that you're ever going to share this with anybody. Yeah. The, the point of doing a po- pilot is doing the pilot. Dan, this has been an absolute pleasure. Where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on the internet uh, through Pacific Content, which is my day job. You can find all the shows we make at pacific-content.com. We also have a Medium blog that you can follow where we write a lot about podcasting. Uh, And you can find my hobby podcast, Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, by typing those words into the internet. Bitrate is produced and presented by Mark Stedman and Brandon Hutchins. All the thanks to Dan for joining us. You'll find links and show notes at bitratepod.com and stick around for our next episode with Drew Ackerman of the Sleep With Me podcast. Robot out. This podcast is produced by Podient. To find out more, visit podiantproductions.com.